y'all. Welcome to the Ground Game Podcast. I'm your host, Bushido Squirrel, and today we're going to be doing the midterm election wrap-up, because, like, that was crazy. But then there was also a lot of crazy stuff that happened, like, immediately after that. Uh, so it's been a really big day. So uh, Chris and I are going to be keeping it a little bit looser today. And uh, before we get into that, how are you doing, Chris? I'm doing all right. It has been an insane week so far. And yeah. When you th- just when you thought that like it was a crazy election and wow like let's take a breather here, all of a sudden we've got the FBI at City Hall. Yeah, well, and and the Jeff Sessions thing like to just touch <laughs> on some national news yeah. before we really roll into the local stuff like Sessions get it, being forced to resign uh, within twenty four hours. Yeah, but I, I wanted to see Trump say you're fired in the Oval Office and then like dramatic music drop, but no, that didn't happen. Instead. We have an acting AG now who is terrible uh, and could very well, like, oh, yeah. fire Mueller. No, uh, he, which, he's actively called this a witch hunt. Yeah, so if, if that happens, like, here we go, constitutional crisis, um, and we'll see what the Democrats like Nancy Pelosi want to do about that. Uh, I don't have high hopes. No, no, no. We, we know what she wants to do. She wants to strike a compromise position, Yeah, as she has already said. Leading up to even having her being voted in as the Speaker of the House, because that is where all of these things are being decided at this point. Yeah, but so the fallout um, is coming pretty quick from the Trump administration, and they banned Jim Acosta from the White House today, like a lot of weird, (laughs) weird stuff. Uh, and uh, But uh, before we roll into that, uh, let's talk a little bit about this Jose Weizar thing, because sure. Jose Weizar, uh, as you mentioned, got raided by the FBI today. So real quick, to remind anybody who doesn't know, Jose Weizar represents uh, Council District 14, which is downtown Boyle Heights, Eagle Rock, some of uh, Highland Park, basically the east part of L.A. city proper yeah. that borders on the unincorporated portion of L.A. as well as Pasadena. And, uh, yeah, so he lives in Boyle Heights, and his home and his office were raided not quite simultaneously. Apparently, they started at his house and Mm -hmm. had something like 15 officers show up, go through his house, take a bunch of stuff out in boxes. They even brought in a a sniffer dog who has apparently been trained to sniff out uh, electronic devices Hmm. and things like thumb drives that might be hidden in pieces of furniture or behind bookcases or something. Who knows? Yeah. But so, so it sounds like they're looking for evidence of financial crimes. Most, most likely. likely yeah. yeah. So they, they were they were doing that at his house. And then when nine o'clock rolled around, all of his staffers that were they had apparently just opened up the office and the FBI just walks in without having to knock or anything because the door was open and they just did their thing. And some staffers apparently showed up and were quite surprised to see the FBI rummaging through the office. And they were told to wait outside until they were uh, asked to come inside and answer some questions. Yeah. And it, it, this comes right on the heel of two lawsuits that have been it's, lodged yep. against him by former aides, uh, which all also contain uh, allegations of financial impropriety, uh, campaign finance violations, uh, as well as violations of public records acts Correct. with the, oh, yeah, with yeah, the yeah. Uh, taking meetings with developers yep. and then deleting all the evidence like that's that's pretty bad that like, is very bad so Jose Weizar, uh long suspected of kind of being not on the right side of the law by the FBI because the LA Times was saying he's been under sort of under their their uh, radar for or on their radar since like 2011 yeah they've been they've been uh, apparently sniffing around a bit they, it, the one of the things that they mentioned in the LA Times article I was just reading was that his opponent in a race back in like 2011 or 2013 uh, had been hired at some point to do some construction work or some renovation work on a rental property that Huizar owns in or owned at the time at least in El Sereno and uh, there was some question as to there being financial improprieties surrounding that construction work and everything else so there's this is uh, apparently we've got a bit of a track record here in CD14 with the, the FBI. Who knew? Well, and, and also that's a pretty common ploy by electeds is what they'll do is have people like donate or give them work on their house or not charge them for work that they're doing. Uh, Ted Stevens, the uh, senator from Alaska who died in a plane crash mm-hmm. uh, several years ago. But that's what he was under investigation for when he died because he'd had like an entire house renovated for hundreds of thousands of dollars just for absolutely free. Uh, so we see that kind of grift like happening. It's good to know that it's like coming to L.A., that we're like, you know, playing Senate level <laughs> grift at this point. 
Yeah, but I mean, that's at the same time, we, we knew that this was the kind of thing that was going on because yeah. there was an investigation into the, the, the financial backgrounds, even for Garcetti um, a few years back, having to do with that developer down in, uh, in central L.A. It's, I mean, when you think about it, Los Angeles is a land of uh, real estate development run absolutely haywire amok pick the adjective that you want to use there yeah or adverb rather and it's there that's there's so much money to be made in in real estate it doesn't it's not any surprise to me whatsoever that our politicians are uh succumbing to that extremely tempting lucrative offer. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens with that Team Weezar because Rochelle's campaign literally just <laughs> got off the ground. Team Weezar. Uh, sounds like it's already done. Um, spoiler alert for earlier, but uh, you know, one of the threads we'll definitely be following is whether or not Kevin DeLeon takes his backup plan, which might be to come down and run for this very seat in 2020. So we'll see if that election gets triggered earlier, well, but uh, yeah, so that, be interesting. That, that, really, that begs the question is like, what happens if, if Weezar gets arrested? What happens then if if that happens before the end of the year and we then have two city council seats open? Well, that's the thing is I don't know that him being indicted affects his ability to hold the seat like as far as finishing out his term because like – and keep in mind like Duncan Hunter won last night. He's under indictment. Um, uh, Mendoza – or sorry, Bob Menendez from New Jersey also under indictment and he won. So remember kids, being charged (laughs) with a crime does very little to affect your political uh, outcomes. Uh, But uh, to transition real quick, uh, like you said, L.A. is a land of developers run amok. Uh, I just got back from an action in Santa Monica targeting the Blackstone Group with a How'd bunch of great... Go? It went really well. Uh, we had Ace out there. We had Power. We had DSALA. Uh, we had uh, Food and Water Watch. We had just a lot of like really big tenants groups. LA Tenants Union was out there. I can't forget to mention them. Oh, of course not. Uh, we showed up. We took over their lobby. Uh, we chanted at them. They did not like us. One of them tried to steal the sign <laughs> I was holding. Like We had it up against the wall, and she's like, this is private property. You can't do that. And I was like, no, no. I'm holding this. It's not attached. Don't touch my shit. <laughs> and then she backed off and got very afraid of, like, the little old ladies from, like, Boyle Heights who were like, you evicted me from my home and now I'm yelling at you. And, like, these people were scared shitless. Uh, the cops did show up. There were some folks who made themselves uh, available for arrest, as it were. Thirteen people were arrested by Santa Monica PD. Jail support is going on right now, but we don't expect anything too bad. There's no violence or anything. Uh, the cops were a little bit uh, aggressive with the arrests and then really bad at, like, keeping their own lines. Like at one point when they brought out the first arrestee, who was Renee actually from LA Tenants Union, who was was on this podcast, he was the first arrestee and they just kind of had him out there and then like our whole group like mobbed around him to show support and cheer for him and the cops kind of freaked out and pushed some people and got like very agitated. There's some key stuff, like they threw him in a car and drove off real quick and there was some real keystone cop stuff. They waited for like the other 12 people and then like brought the paddy wagon and loaded them all in. So uh, Jed from DSALA Streetwatch got arrested. Uh, a bunch of folks did. Uh, it was a pretty good, lively scene. Like we showed up, made our point, got some really good earned press. ABC7 was there. Um, uh, Television was there. Uh, it was it was really good. So I'm I'm or sorry, Univision yeah, was, was there, not te- <laughs> not Television. Sorry, it's been a long TV, day, and we'll the, get to that. You were you were technically correct. Television was there, yes. but uh, yeah, Univision <laughs> was there. So it was like it, you you'll probably see it on your nightly news. Um, you'll see some reporting of it. It was really good. Uh, Blackstone is a pretty terrible terrible oh, company, yeah. largest landlord in the uh, in the country, and they donated around seven million dollars to the No on Ten campaign themselves. So, uh, yeah, they're they're bad, and we're going to keep going after them until they're not a thing anymore because that's how we solve that. That's, uh, it, that's pretty much the only way you can solve that at mm-hmm. this point because they have locked up so many p- pieces of property in Southern California, all these single-family homes that they picked up as a result of the financial crisis in 0809. Yeah. They came in, and they had the pocketbooks that are deep enough to just pick all those houses up when they're foreclosed and when they're underwater. And it, to them, it's just, it's an investment in uh, turning into a cash cow. Yeah, and buying out Invitation Homes, their largest oh, yeah. competitor, and mm-hmm. not getting slapped with like Monopoly stuff for that. No, we don't do antitrust yeah. in this country anymore. You know that. Yeah, um, but, uh, and in solidarity, uh, DSA NYC also showed up at Blackstone's headquarters in, yeah. in Manhattan and raised hell with them there. So this is a bi-coastal effort. And like the NYC DSA, they didn't have like any connection to Prop 10 other than like being in solidarity with California tenants. So that's pretty cool that, that they are rules. like raising hell on our behalf with like 
this really large, crappy company that no one should like. I actually saw the video from, or a clip of video yeah. from that protest, and those workers looked extremely uncomfortable with the fact that there was a protest going on in the lobby. Oh, yeah, no, they, they set off the security alarm for us, and it was like, oh, dude, tenants, please be aware that there's a security <laughs> issue in the lobby. It took them like 20 minutes to do that, but, you know, nonetheless, it was pretty funny. We had a lot of... Uh, white guys in, uh, you know, like dress shirts with no tie because that's how you wear it when you're like a finance guy trying to squeeze through the lobby and just it was it was pretty fun. They didn't enjoy it and we didn't intend for them to enjoy it and we made our point. So uh, there probably will be some bail requests and stuff or not bail, but like fundraising to pay legal fees and stuff. So we'll keep you updated on that. And if you got a few bucks to throw out our comrades, always very helpful. All right, so let's move on to the big stories of the day, which is the midterms. Um, and we'll just, we're going to go down kind of from the top of the ticket to the bottom, working our way through. We've got some like big wins to note and some interesting stuff to talk about. Um, Gavin Newsom, I'm not really calling that one a win for us. I mean, it's not like John Cox would definitely be a loss, but Gavin Newsom. Not super exciting, but he walked away with it. Yeah, nearly sixty percent, fifty nine percent with four point two million votes for him and uh, two point nine for John Cox. Jeez, yeah, John Cox did not do well. He spent a lot of money, and I'm I'm okay with that. He did, he, but ha- did you want to mention anything about the fact that you got to have a lovely little uh, back and forth? He never forth? responded to me again. That's uh, well, sad. I, I think he might have learned from his his first experience of oh, this is not a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna I'm just gonna take credit for his loss there. You know, <laughs> Knock <laughs> is knock is uh, you know really throwing our weight around nowadays. But yeah. yeah, again, nothing too exciting there. We're gonna see more of Jerry Brown's policies visited out. Uh, Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Let's but it, but it, it is worth noting that if anybody is listening to this and they have not read your exchange with John Cox, yeah, you should absolutely go to the website and do that because it is fun reading. Yeah, it was it was pretty fun to write. Um, before we get into other people races. Let's do the ballot measures real quick. I realize I'm kind of wanting to hop around here. Um, yeah, so the ballot measures uh, were, were interesting. We had some big losses, obviously. We'll get to those. Yeah, but we're, we are very happy to see that uh, Proposition 1 did pass. That, yeah, that commandingly. Is, it, it did. It was a 54-46 split for Prop 1. Um, and then also that Prop 2 passed yep. 61-39. So Prop 2 was, again, a... Basically, just a, a re-approaching of the voters saying this money that we've already set aside for services for the people who are mentally ill, we want to use that money to create housing, which is the first step in really well, providing meaningful treatment for people who are mentally ill in a lot of circumstances. So. The only kind of like organic resistance to Prop 2 was people kind of wary that this was going to be a giveaway to developers, but you yeah. can't avoid that. Like, that's who builds housing. Even yeah. if it's affordable housing, like, that's who's going to be doing it. So... Um, I would rather see, you know, housing come online with all the services they're promising mm-hmm. at the cost of millionaires than, like, worry too much about whether or not, like, a developer is going to try and abuse this. Because I think yeah. that's going to be hard. And especially, like, out in rural California, they really need to build more capacity. Absolutely. So moving down, uh, the water bond on Prop 3 was a very uh, a very tight race, kind of unexpectedly so. But yeah. when you look back at it, there was a lot of coverage. Even even knock our our first take on it was that it's a water bond. Of course, we're going to be supporting of a water bond. Yeah. Until we really got some people digging into it and said, "Oh wait, there are so many giveaways to the developers and special interests in this pro- in this water bond." Yeah. That it, it's not something that can be supported, and it uh, did not pass. So yeah. That's it, a big shout out to uh, Food and Water Watch, uh, who helped us come to a better decision on that one. Um, it, it's This one was really complicated because there are water access issues in the Central Valley outside oh, of farmers, sure. yeah, yeah. but this would have definitely favored the farmers. Yeah. And uh, it's good to see that it did not pass. Yeah. So Prop 4, uh, we are happy to say that Prop 4 did pass commandingly 6139. Uh, that's great to see because everybody should be supportive of uh, building hospitals to take care of kids because it's a hospital for kids. Uh, again, some of the resistance to this pointed out that like some of these hospitals are private, but at the same time, like that's just the way that our <laughs> they're hospitals system, for yeah. kids. This is what we got to deal with. But this is the way our healthcare system is designed at oh, the yeah. moment. So you got to act pragmatically. I mean, until but. until we have like even with a single payer system, it's we're still going to be having private uh, hospitals that we're going to be dealing with. Yeah. It's you you've got. I mean, unless you're looking at implementing the NHS mm-hmm. in California or in the U.S. as a whole. You, that is not really a necessarily v- 
super valid critique to be making because yeah. this is, again, we live under capitalism. This is what we have to do. Yeah. Now, uh, Prop 5, which was the uh, Prop 13, like, cutout or, or extension of the exemptions, mm-hmm. uh, I actually phone banked against Prop 5, mm-hmm. um, and I'm very happy to say that that helped. It and did. And that Prop 5 did not pass because that would have cost us about a billion dollars a year. No, no, that one was real bad. Yeah. And it got resoundingly defeated 58-42. Which I'm really happy about because next year, well, not next year, but in 2020, we're going to have to split roles for Prop 13 on the ballot, meaning we'll split uh, residential uh, property and commercial property and commercial property will be reassessed every three years. So seeing people skeptical of expanding Prop 13 or protecting it, which is what Prop 5 was, like Prop 5 was the Realtors Association seeing 2020 coming and being like, crap, we've got to yeah. spike this to protect our money and them failing pretty miserably on that one. You know, 58 to 42 is a pretty commanding defeat. Absolutely. And then uh, dealing with that, what's something that people might not really realize with Prop 13 is that those commercial and industrial properties that we're talking about having on a reassessment schedule of every few years. Yeah. A lot of those properties here in California have not been reassessed since the 70s. Yeah. Because when commercial property is purchased, it is typically held by an LLC and the LLC can change hands without the property actually technically changing hands, which means that it doesn't ever get reassessed. So we're talking like, uh, Disneyland. Yep. They're still paying 1978 taxes. Well, it's gone up a little bit, but it can't go up yeah. more than 1% of their in, of their tile, entire or their sorry, 2%. it can't go up more than 2% of their total tax assessment uh year over year. So like tiny little like increases we can expect a lot of money from oh, companies from Disney. So much money. Oh yeah. The, so when when we talk about the split roll on 2020, that is going to be an unbelievably big fight, and it's going to get real dirty if Prop 10 is anything to go by. Another dirty fight was uh, Proposition 6. Oh, yeah. Gas tax repeal. <laughs> so I actually received that robocall that triggered a warning from uh, the secretary, not the secretary of state, but like the, the local but elections so what, official. Let, let's go back. Where did this come from? The robocall okay. basically said that this this uh, <laughs> that prop, it was, ballot prop should be named this, not that. Correct. It was, it was saying that rather than the name it actually had on the ballot, which is what it was technically supposed to be called, it was supposed to be the Repeal the Gas Tax Act. And uh, so this robocall was sounded very official, but also like kind of uh, late night infomercial-y of being like, the gas tax repeal is on the ballot. You need to vote yes. It was it was super weird. And uh, apparently it was an extremely illegal uh, misinformation campaign that was, while I'm sure they reported it to some degree, like it, it was it was just completely false. Well, and it caused the the uh, county registrar and recorder here in Los Angeles to put out his own robocall <laughs> saying, ignore the other robocall, that's not us and that's not from our office. Chaos. Because basically the, the, the uh, Pro 6 robocall said, hey, the Secretary of State's office made a mistake yeah. and it should be called this. And what it came down to was when you pa- get a ballot proposition uh, onto the ballot, you can suggest a name. Somebody at the Secretary of State's office comes up with a more innocuous, like, politically <clears throat> neutral. neutral name. Yeah, yeah. So they went with the, you know, uh, uh, remove funding for roads, which is what we <laughs> use the gas tax for. And we're like, hey, that's what you're doing. The Prop 6 people didn't like it. They got slapped down. Uh, they didn't spend a whole lot of money. Like, once they got on the ballot, they kind of forgot about this. Unless your name is John Cox. He was the only <laughs> Republican running on this. And a couple of, like far-right um, well, kind of congressional candidates. But, they, but did, the, they flipped a seat in the state assembly, was it, at the, yeah. in, during the primary because of this. So they, they had a recall yeah. that was going on. I, I f- believe that was down in like in Orange County. Yeah, but that was that was the primary. And that then once, the, June, once yeah. the GOP got past that and got this yeah. on the ballot, they just stopped funding it or caring about it. So uh, thank you, GOP, for being terrible at your jobs. <laughs> Fortunately. So moving on, uh, we've got some good news every Everybody, we are all set for permanent daylight savings time in the near future. That one, one handily, 60-40. Yeah, and that one we were really pulling for, as, <laughs> as silly as it sounds. Like, people literally die when we change our clocks. Yeah. Like, strokes, heart attacks, car accidents all go up. So, uh, not changing our clocks again, which... 
I think we'll do it once more in the spring, yeah. and then we'll never have to do it again. That's the way it's supposed to be, I believe. Yeah, it's going to be weird. Washington and Oregon will be in a different time zone from us <laughs> for half the year, but you know what? They can just stop changing their clocks, and we can fix it. Look, the rest of the world does 24-hour cool time. It's kids' club. Well, the rest of the world does 24-hour time because you don't need to ever effing change your clocks. It's no, dumb. Just it stop really doing is. it. It's, it's, it's such a relic of the time when we and that was a bad unintentional pun yeah. uh the time back from the times when people were spending you know 30 40 percent of the population or more was out in the fields doing agriculture work well even that it was just to save energy during world war one but like oh yeah we yeah, use yeah. energy 24 hours a day now we don't stop when the sun you know comes up or goes down we have air conditioners that you run all day so changing your clock isn't going to fundamentally like impact stuff plus all of our light bulbs are like low emission now and last for a long time and lower energy. So like technology's moved on. We can, we can stop doing that. I will frankly though, miss that lovely feeling that you get that one Sunday in November when you wake up and you go, Oh my God, it's, Oh wait, no, it's not. I have an extra hour of sleep. That's, that is a great feeling. And I am going to miss that a little bit, but at the same time, hooray for never having to change your clocks again. Yeah, true So enough, moving true on enough. to Prop 8, the kidney dialysis profit capping uh, proposition did not pass. So that one was defeated quite soundly, 62 to 38, yeah. with 4.27 million people saying no and 2.66 saying yes. And that one was an incredible onslaught of money and, again, misinformation in these campaigns. Yeah, no, people literally thought, like, voting yes on eight would end dialysis in Which, California. It was amazingly dishonest what they were willing to say and do and scare people to get to protect their profits. That's absolutely. all they did. You know, these, like, Davida and Fresnius report profits of 17 to 18 percent a year they would be capped at 115% of revenue, which means if they're good with their money, they're still making 15% every year. That's a really good return. Like most private businesses would kill for a 15% a year yeah, return. Yeah, hospitals are make something like a three and 4% yeah, profit Yeah, three margin. to five at most. So yeah. it's, this is, we're talking about one of the most lucrative businesses that you can get in California. And it is one where you are guaranteed a an operating revenue because kidney dialysis is a is basically the original pre-existing condition when it comes to Medicare, Medicaid, and uh, Medi-Cal because there is a guarantee that you will receive treatment for it and that it will be covered. Yeah, thank you, Richard Nixon. One of the only really good <laughs> things he did. No, but he even saw that yeah. back in the day when like kidney dialysis cost like $30,000 a year. He was like, people shouldn't die from this. We can fix this. So yeah, these companies are really just rent-seeking and pulling money out of our own system. And again, if we moved to like a single payer and Medicare and Medi-Cal had more leverage to throw around with these companies, we'd probably see these costs come down. So, uh, and I'm sorry we lost that one. I was really hoping for yes on eight, but onward and upward. Well, yeah. so moving on to Prop 10, uh, which we were also heavily invested into, that one uh, was defeated by the same percentage points, but with even more people voting against it at 4.32 million people said no to Prop 10. And a bunch of those people were were voting no on Prop 10, thinking that they were somehow protecting rent control by voting no for Prop 10 because. No, I had I, I did a lot of canvassing for this the last weekend. And out in Culver City, I met a green who was like, oh, it'll end rent control. I was like, no, 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 no. It allows us to expand it. And here's how. And when I explained what the law actually did, he's like, oh, yeah, you've changed my mind. People didn't know what they were voting on. Absolutely. It is uh, the fight's not nearly over, but like. Keep in mind that the the no on ten side spent about a hundred million dollars. Mm -hmm. The yes on ten side had about thirty million bucks. Mm -hmm. It was a David and Goliath fight, and one that's only caused like people to be energized. Like our housing crisis isn't getting better. No. You know, people are not going to be more okay with like more unhoused folks. So this fight's going to keep going. There's a lot of questions to ask, and like strategic decisions that were made uh, in the campaign that probably didn't work out that well. Um, Different decisions could have could have happened, but even last night, Gavin Newsom in his uh, what passed as his acceptance speech because Cox hadn't yet conceded, said that he's committed to making California affordable. That really matters. Like he's using the terms that point to the fact that he's hearing us and he understands the pressures there. He's not going to say anything committal because I just don't think Gavin Newsom can. Like I think the part of his brain that like has him say definitive <laughs> things has either been removed or never grew. 
because he can <laughs> he just will not pick a side if unless he like absolutely has to or knows he's going to win. So expect some more of that, but also expect him to be movable. Again, LA City Council and the LA County Board, they both want rent control. That's $21 billion in budget that we have right now, control between those two groups. That's a big stick to wield in California. They've got a lot of power. They have a lot of power to pressure the governor. They have a lot of power to pressure the legislature. This fight ain't over yet. And then, so, uh, Measure B. This is a a hard one. You've been intimately involved with this one. I mean, we all have. We've all been fighting for this one, and we're all going to continue fighting for this one. Oh, absolutely. Because it's a a really good idea. Uh, But let's break it down real quick. So... 58-42, 58-42, um, resounding defeat, unfortunately. But when you think about it, public banking was not something that anybody was particularly discussing more than six months ago. I mean, even then, there was not a ballot measure in the country. No, there was not. And now we're looking at legislation around the country in dozens of places. And we're, you know, we had 267,000 yes votes that came out after we had a budget of almost nothing that we were putting into this. so And also five months of organizing. Like, Wesson kind of... even. <laughs> Wesson, like, put this on the ballot in July? It was it was the end of June that they yeah. made the motion, uh, and then it was it was the beginning of July was when it became official that it was going to become a part of the ballot. Yeah. Yes. So we're talking just a few months of organizing effort here with a group of people pushing for this that had never run a ballot measure campaign before and we're doing this on a shoestring budget and we somehow managed to convince more than a quarter of a million of angelinos that we need to make this happen yeah and so it is this this was the first round in a in an ongoing fight of really bringing uh public banking to a new level of consciousness in the populace at large and we're going to be moving full speed ahead with the California Public Banking Alliance and trying to make sure that when other cities like San Francisco and San, Santa Barbara and Sacramento and the East Bay, when they get to the point of trying to establish their own municipal public banks, there will be an infrastructure in place at the city level that will allow that. And it'll also probably be something that the state legislature is extremely interested in because it potentially opens up the door for them to figure out how to bank the cannabis industry and really, you know, start to make inroads into collecting the actual tax revenue on that. Because right now it is an entirely cash based industry. I mean, actually I used ease for the first time ever. Yeah. And they take credit cards because they're based in Canada. So, you know, America is literally international drug trade. It's 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 youngest like <laughs> cash crop, quote unquote. Uh, we're sending revenue to Canada instead of capturing that here. And that's a really dumb way to do that. It absolutely is. So it'll be really exciting to see where this goes from here. Yeah. Um, we were pretty sad last night seeing that the. You know, it started 60-40, and it very slowly changed only a little bit from there. Um, but, again, this is just the first round, and uh, we got a lot of fight left in us. Yeah. So. No, I was thinking, if you guys want to get really Machiavellian here, uh, we've got a, a special election coming up in CD12 uh, uh-huh. in June. You, you sneak that sucker back <laughs> onto the ballot for a really low turnout election. <laughs> just uh, like that, uh, the measure about the police uh, the police organ, uh, the police oversight board. Yeah, where they had what was it like four percent? Yeah, turnout? no, something insane. It was <sighs> it was ridiculous. But yeah, things are not over yet. This is a fight that's still going to continue. Um, I mean, like, it, and I I really want to like uh, hype this up because it really matters. Is this was not a national conversation. By the time we went to vote, the Nation, the New York Times, the L.A. Times, the Washington Post, Bloomberg. CNN, everyone was talking <laughs> about this. And here's how important it was. The New York Times in their first ballot breakdown and like the return results had had uh, Measure B on there for all of California. Like they only had five of the statewide propositions listed and then Measure B. That's how much of a bellwether it was. And 42% of L.A. showing up for this Huge, because that means literally, I don't know, you guys needed another, like, 50,000 people? It was about 60,000, I yeah, think. Yeah, that's literally nothing in the grand scheme of a 4-million-person no. city here in L.A. Like, this is imminently doable, and the electeds all like it. And that's, like, a big, you know, it's not just, like, get it past the ballot, and then what do we do? It's like, oh, we've already got the infrastructure where electeds will work with us and make that happen. So, like, I'm really excited. Like, this isn't oh, it's, over. It's it sucks. coming yeah. back. It's definitely coming yeah. back. You know, it's... it's um. 
it's one of those where there is no such thing as a loss in electoral politics. Like you don't win that race, Mm -hmm. but that's not a loss because this isn't, you know, baseball. Like you don't have a record (laughs) at the end of the year. It's like, can you seize and use power? We're just going to line up and do it all over again. Like we're just going to find better allies and better talking points and better organizational structures and keep pushing this. And it's a statewide effort. Like the fact that there's the California Public Banking Alliance, so exciting. Like there's so much more going on here that wasn't on the ballot and that's going to lead to the success eventually. So like it sucks to not win that big one, but like it was a long shot to win that it big was, one. Yeah. Like that was a moonshot and y'all almost did it. Like that's <laughs> that's the cool part is honestly 8% short is not a bad showing. Yeah. You know, um, it, it, uh, compared to a lot of the other stuff. I mean, Prop 10, $30 million blown away uh and you know lost by a larger margin that's, yeah that's, that, i mean that's that one scary. was a, that was a million vote difference yeah but but still like just the 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 amount of people who came out to vote on that and the way that they split like that's it, you know the fact that prop 10 lost by more after spending way more and like wait like that's a worse loss i think than measure b because measure b what you guys need to do is pick up momentum you're not fighting oh, yeah. headwinds Whereas Prop 10 got beaten by the headwinds. You had no headwinds. You just need to, like, get people understanding what a public bank is. And then they're going to side with that because nobody likes Wall Street. When you walk up to people on the street and you're like, do you hate Wall Street? They all say, yes, <laughs> I hate Wall Street, um, unless you're, like, on Wall Street. Well, there, there was one guy that I handed a flyer to when I was out canvassing up in Highland Park where I was like, hey, let's get, like, get our public money out of the hands of Wall Street. And he said, oh, no, 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 I can't back that. I love Wall Street. My, I, 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 I did not know how to respond to. I had this dumbstruck look on my face, and he handed the flyer back to me. I'm like, okay, like how how do you even respond to something like that? Yeah. It's like no, Wall Street is they are my gods. They are the only people who I trust with my money. Uh, all right, well let's um, <laughs> let's go to some good yeah, stuff. Yeah, let's go to some good stuff. We'll we'll actually start down at the bottom of the ticket and then hop back to the top because uh, I want to talk about sheriff. So this is yeah. exciting and late late breaking. It this looked is... like McDonald was going to hold it. Now by about five thousand votes, Alex Villanueva is the new sheriff of Los Angeles County. There's a new sheriff yeah. in town. It's the new sheriff <laughs> of new sheriffs. Uh, and Villanueva uh, is famous for saying that he'll stop cooperating with ICE. He also wants to be a little bit more transparent with deputies' records. He is a former deputy himself, but McDonald is the first LA County sheriff in over a century to lose. Uh, Villanueva is the first uh, LA County sheriff since 1890 to speak Spanish fluently. Think how scary that is. It's since 1890. Since 1890. The person that's basically oh, wow. like the top you know, uh, uh, law enforcement officer for L.A. County has not spoken the predominant language in L.A. County for the entire effing time. And don't that's... ever think that English was the predominant language here. Like, don't make that mistake. It never was. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. No, it's 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 crazy. But so that's that's a big win. And yeah, he is. eked it out. And that was really just like stick and gumption. And nobody thought he was going to clear the primary. He was a dark horse then. He was still a dark horse going into last night. The fact that he's pulled it out is pretty effing amazing. At the same time, he's still a cop, uh, and he's gonna he's gonna be a cop. <laughs> so we just gotta because he yeah. also wants three thousand no, right. more deputies, and it's like no, we don't need three thousand more people with guns. Yeah. Like, come on, dude. So you know, keep at him, bird dog him until he like sees the light and abolishes the sheriff department entirely. But. We'll get there. We'll yeah. get there. Uh, now, moving on to uh, Senate. So this was a weird one. So we had two Democrats running. We had Kevin DeLeon and we had Dianne Feinstein. And I, w- I ended up editing some agitprop for a couple of other groups. And I have to say this, and I, I kind of got yelled at by Kendall for this, but it's hard to challenge Feinstein from the left, really, mm-hmm. because she's not as conservative as people want to paint her to be when, you, when it comes right down to it. Like, her votes aren't that out of line with the rest of the Senate. Like, even Elizabeth Warren voted yes on the $800 billion defense budget. And that's a problem with Feinstein is, like, if you lined up all the Democratic senators from, like, 1 to 50, 1 being, like, the most conservative and 50 being the most liberal, Dianne Feinstein falls at, like, 26. Like, she's just just left of center. But she's also not that, like, there's nobody that much farther left to her. Um, And that's a weird one for Kevin DeLeon, who's also very centrist. He didn't have a lot of attacks. Uh, It seemed like he wasn't really running to win. Uh, He still did pretty decent with people wanting to wanting a change. But uh, I I never felt like his campaign was 
really going for the jugular or really going for the kill shot because the other thing is if he won by taking down Feinstein, he would have lost so many potential allies. Like he would yeah, have had to that's... have like destroyed and burned so many bridges. Yeah, I mean it was a, it was a huge uphill battle for him from yeah. the outset and, you know, he he was very earnest in the in his discussions about where he was coming from uh in terms of being a, a true progressive when I when I had spoken with him uh, because he he was an ally of Measure B. So we actually got to sit down and talk about him coming on board and what his support, like why he was going to support Measure B. And it was very cool to get to actually meet a, a Senate candidate in person and chat for a little bit. And oddly enough, we actually also just like kept running into him uh, when we were out flyering, uh, doing canvassing in Highland yeah. Park. Yeah. His team was having their like end of the campaign uh let's celebrate right before the election night and so we were just we were handing out flyers to pedestrians walking up and down uh figueroa in highland park and right in front of a uh, highland park bowl and out of, of like walking down the sidewalk was kevin de leon with his uh security guy yeah. and I, I did a double take and realized it was uh our potential future senator um yeah. So he he was he was, I I appreciated what his position was on a lot of these issues, but you're right. It was going to be very difficult to try to take down Feinstein from the left, even though he did have the overwhelming support of the California Democratic Party. Yeah. It was a massive, massive uphill climb because I mean, Feinstein's been in office since '92. Yeah. Like this is we're, we're talking institutional memory that people don't. People grew up where Feinstein was the senator from California when they were graduating high school, mm -hmm. and they now have kids who are not quite into high school but are getting there because like she's been in office forever, yeah. and everybody knows who she is. So you're there's this instant like anytime you're going up against somebody that's got that level of name recognition, it's going to be a massive fight. Yeah. So, so I, you know, it, he came in uh, at 46% to her 54, which is a which pretty is, good you know, showing. Yeah. 8% going up against like one of the biggest political franchises in California, nothing to be ashamed about. And like we said, uh, Kevin DeLeon has options. He may mm -hmm. be coming down for CD 14. Uh, he may wait for a different office in 2020. Hell, he might go into like lobbying and stuff. We'll see. But like, He's got a pretty bright future. I know yeah. we're going to be hearing from him again. Oh, for sure. Um, and it's. I it, don't think he's going to go the Mitch Englander route, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I it'll be interesting to see. Um, I'm, you know, I'm curious. He definitely had a lot of passion and a lot of energy, and he definitely proved like he could turn a lot of people out, and a lot of like left-leaning uh, Democrats obviously came out to vote for him. So. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see what he decides to do. Uh, now, moving down the list of other statewide offices before we get to. Uh, um, the House of Representatives. Uh, none of these super exciting, uh, but for Lieutenant Governor, we got uh, Eleni Kulinakis. Uh, she's, you know, fine, perfectly serviceable Democrat. Uh, for Secretary of State, we got Alex Padilla. Um, he's not great. His office keeps screwing up a lot of stuff, but he was better than the Republican. Better than Muser, yeah. Yeah. Uh, same thing with uh, Javier Becerra. He's been doing a decent job fighting the Department of Justice. Better than uh, the Republican. Yeah, he commandingly won against uh, Stephen Bailey, who I believe was a judge or prosecutor. I don't know. The guy, he just seemed like a cop. Like, his his ads <laughs> popped up on my Facebook, and it was just him copping up the place. And I was like, no. Uh, for Treasurer, we got Fiona Ma, who, again, not great. She's serviceable, uh, better than the Republican. Controller uh, Betty Yee, again, yep. same situation. Constantinus yep. Roditas did not win, got 37%. He got his butt kicked. Yeah, he did. Uh, and then for insurance commissioner, this one's still a little bit of a toss-up, uh, but it looks like Ricardo Lara is going to keep it against Stephen Poisner. That was uh, a very close race. Though. Well, and Poisner tried some sleight of hand to be like, I'm an independent. It's like, you know, we know that you were registered for <laughs> You've as been a Republican, Republican for forever. like 40 years. And like <laughs> held office as a Republican. That's the thing is, he was an elected Republican. So uh, it's glad <laughs> I'm glad to see that like he did not he was not able to to Pulled clear that. that. Yeah. Um, it was uh, you know again Ricardo Lara not that super exciting. He's pretty close to the um, health insurance industry, but you know that's how it goes at the moment. Uh, lastly, Superintendent of Public Instruction. This was a really like nail biter. This was a really important one. 
uh, Tony Thurmond was on the side of public schools and not privatizing everything. He barely, barely lost. It's looking like about 2%. It's about 1% change that he's going to yeah, end up losing 86, by. Yeah, they're 86,000 votes out of yeah. more than 6 million votes cast. Yeah. It was 86,000. And he did win L.A. County. Uh, pretty That's pretty good. decisively, yeah. So LA County would leaned a little bit a little bit farther left than the rest of the state, and that was one of the races where we saw that happening. I'm, I'm glad to hear that we're we're leaning left as a county. Yeah, That's so good. that that was good. I mean, the other thing was like for Prop 10, California, or not California, but Los Angeles. The spread was only five points here, so we were much closer than the statewide spread. Uh, San Francisco is the only county where. Prop 10 won. They also passed Proposition C, which was like a big yes. win for uh, taxing businesses to pay for services for the unhoused. Yeah. Uh, now let's move on to uh, the House of Representatives. Now there are 50. Yeah. We can four. we can skip the state assembly. We can skip the state senate. There's just too nothing, many. And, um, and nothing surprising. Yeah. There. I mean the the only like the only race that I want to touch on before we do that is a uh, Cat Brooks up in Oakland mm-hmm. did not win. That's a shame. Cat Brooks is an amazing organizer. Uh, I'm sure we're going to be hearing from her more and more. Um, but uh, yeah, that was that was kind of a letdown. And Javanka didn't win either. Yeah, they they might be going for a recall. Uh, we'll see. Uh, Maria, recall or recount. Uh, sorry, recount. Okay. <laughs> um, they're, they're counting every ballot, so they're yeah. looking for people to go watch. But I'm not hopeful. The trends don't generally reverse. Yeah, it yeah. was a, a close win, but not a super super like changeable win. Uh, and then also, it looks like Anthony Rendon uh, held on to his seat. Um, uh, Maria Estrada had a bunch of terrible things that she said about people leak about a week before the election. It turned off a lot of progressives. I'm one of them. Um, you can't be running as a progressive if you're going to go around threatening to out politicians that you see as closeted and making homophobic remarks about people. That's, yeah. Yeah. Not acceptable. It was, it was pretty not good. So for all the folks out there who are pulling for a green candidate, like I would like to see one. Please find a candidate that doesn't self-destruct before like the election do, day because that do keeps better. happening. Do better. Yeah. So uh, let's wait. Wait. Did Kenneth Mejia win? He did not. But we'll get to that in a second because <laughs> he's in the House of Representatives. So uh, in the House of Representatives, uh, Nancy Pelosi kept her seat. It looks like she may be going on to uh, be Speaker of the House again. I'm hoping not. Um, Karen Bass, my representative, won commandingly over uh, uh I don't even remember the guy's name. He was a terrible Republican. He had like a terrible white guy Republican goatee, uh, a lot of really stupid ideas. He he wrote a whole Facebook post about how Proposition 10 is an attempt to uh, harm mom and pop landlords in favor of corporate landlords, which makes perfect sense. That's why all the corporate landlords were fighting it. Because, oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, he, he lost quite commandingly. Maxine Waters won quite commandingly. Uh, we saw a lot of the big names that were established uh, Congress people here win, but we've got some new people. So the big win I want to start talking off or start off talking about is Katie Hill up in CD25, yeah. unseating Steve Knight. Now, uh, for those of you familiar with Ground Games work, we have been up in Porter Ranch turning them out. We did really good numbers. Like, I'm so excited yeah. by how well we did. Like, we turned out so many people. And like, when it came down to it, the spread was like 4,000 people, and we turned out like maybe 1,500 voters, but for our first campaign ever and running on virtually no money, we made an impact. Like no, We helped. Absolutely. And like, it was just pounding the pavement, talking to people and being like, hey, that big mountain full of gas behind you that is leaking, we want to shut that down. And I want to I talk about this for a second. Is Aliso Canyon still there? It's still making people sick. We had to shut down one of our canvases because people got sick knocking doors. And like there was a a neighborhood, Kendall and I were walking in. When we started on one side of the neighborhood, uh, the first family I talked to didn't know about the gas leak. They just bought the house. They just moved in. And I was like, get your benzene levels checked by your doctor and talk to your broker because that's a lawsuit. Like 100%. But as we walked closer to the mountain, uh, down to the other side of this gated community, the air smelled funny and we both started getting lightheaded and feeling weird. And the rest of the day, like the rest of the canvas, we just felt weird. Like we were drinking tons of water, but we couldn't rehydrate. It just, it's not healthy up there. No. It's an ecological disaster. And so we organized based off of the principle that everyone there hates the mountain that is poisoning them. And it worked. Even Republicans yeah. who wouldn't vote for Katie Hill, they want to shut down Aliso Canyon. <laughs> and that's how you build community powers. You find the points of inflection and the points that people agree on. And we were able to do that. It was a nail biter last night. When I went to sleep uh, around yeah. three, Steve Knight was just barely up. When I woke up this morning, Katie Hill was up by about three and a half percent. She ended up taking it by <laughs> about two and a half percent. 
at one o'clock today, Steve Knight finally conceded, uh, and Katie Hill, the millennial, uh, 31-year-old, former director of People Assisting the Homeless, uh, which is PATH, if you know uh, the nonprofits here in, in Los Angeles County, she's going to Congress. That's a huge effing win. Yes, it is. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's absolutely fantastic because this is the kind of change that is so, so necessary. And I mean, as you pointed out, Steve Knight has been in Congress for a while and he has not done anything to deal with the needs of his constituents. Yeah. And the Aliso project, that, that massive, massive amount of natural gas that has been leaking in that community for what, a year and a half? No, it's no, two, three. Three years Three now. years. It, that is an absolutely an unacceptable state of affairs to have. And for him to be so completely out of touch with the community to just let that continue to happen, he there was no way that anybody could make a justification for him deserving to go back. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you've got a job as an elected official to look out for your constituents. That's literally what you are elected to and, do. And when Aliso Canyon happened, he didn't come around. Of Katie Hill not. came around. And like that, people remember that. People paid attention to that. Yeah. So congrats yeah. to all of our fellow organizers. Congrats to all of the folks that were out pounding on the pavement and knocking on the doors. Yeah. That's how you win elections. And we'll be right back up there for Absolutely. the special election in CD12 now that <laughs> Mitch Englander is leaving. Um, hopping down the ballot, we'll, uh, we'll go talk talk about uh, Kenneth Mejia. Yep. So uh, CD34, uh, Jimmy Gomez is kind of a crappy Democrat. He took over Javier Barcera's seat in a special election because Barcera went up to be attorney general under, uh, uh, under Brown. Mm-hmm. Well... The in the primaries, uh, Gomez got I want to say forty something percent of the vote. Uh, Mejia came in first with around thirteen. He, in this round of elections, Mejia doubled his turnout or doubled his vote count, got about twenty five percent of the vote, which is respectable for a green, especially like Mejia's working with. I think his his final fundraising count was a little shy of a hundred thousand dollars, and Jimmy Gomez had one point two million dollars he'd raised. You know, like the the Greens, my problem and my complaint with the Greens is they don't spend money on down ballot races. They finally decided three weeks before the election to drop some money on Kenneth Mejia and a couple of other congressional candidates. And it's like, good, three weeks before the election, when you're literally trying to climb a mountain, where were you guys four months ago, five months ago? Where were you the day after the effing primary when you needed to be staffing this up and paying for people to get out there and not just being like, hey, you seem like a really motivated 27-year-old, Kenneth. Why don't you go win a congressional seat? We'll give you a gold star when you do it. Like, you actually have to support your fucking candidates. Yeah, well, I mean, he's been running in... I've seen his name associated with elections now for... Three cycles? As long as I can remember, honestly. Three cycles. Well, he's only 28. He can't have been running for more than a decade. I I know, but it's... Like, I, it feels like he's just always out there and putting his name up on the ballot. And I mean, good for him, but it, it's just, it's such a massive uphill battle every single yeah. time. Well, and he also like, I, I will give him credit because he does a lot of community service and like, he's more than just a guy who shows up when there's cameras around. Yeah, yeah. So like, he actually does feed people on Skid Row weekly mm-hmm. and like, he does really good community service. So Kenneth Mejia is a good young leader and he's the kind of talent that we want to see more of here in LA. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm, I'm very confident that we'll be seeing his name on the ballots again here soon. Yeah. So hopping down into the OC, Dana Rohrabacher, who has also like been in Congress since time immemorial. Like he's oh, yeah. been there like 30 years. Like yeah. it's insane. Uh, I think he got elected when Reagan was still president, like or close to it. Maybe Bush won. <laughs> like this is he, dude's ancient. Um, but anyways, he lost to Harley Ruda, uh, and Harley yeah. Ruda is pretty decent. Like kind of left leaning dem, a little bit centrist, but like works for the OC. That's a plus, huge improvement. Though. Yeah, flipping that seat matters a lot. You know, we saw some some long term incumbents going down. Dana Rohrbacher is just you know a professional, terrible human being. So seeing him get sent packing is. Um, just freaking amazing. Oh, yeah, and it was 2,700 votes out of the, what, 180,000 that that voted. So it was a close one. It was 49.3 to 50.7. So very tight race, but extremely exciting to see Orange County starting to turn blue. And then in another part of the OC, we got uh, Katie Porter was running against uh, Mimi Walters, uh, two uh, pretty decent women um, running for either ticket. Um, Katie Porter wasn't able to do it. It was close. Uh, 51.7 to 48.3. Very respectable for a first-time candidate. She had a lot of juice, but also Mimi Walters is a little bit less crazy of a Republican mm-hmm. and is new. She's never won office before, so I think it was, you know, 
kind of do it like a snake shedding its skin. Like Paul Ryan was also able to protect his seat yeah. by doing that same thing. And I think a lot of controversial Republicans have realized it's time to cash out and take their toxicity with them and protect that seat. And that worked in a couple of races. Uh, Katie Porter's race was one where it did not work out in favor of Democrats. Yep. Hello, person revving your engine. <laughs> And then uh, the last race I want to touch on as far as the House of Representatives go. Uh, so Duncan Hunter. And we talked about him <laughs> quite a bit a couple of months ago because this was a guy. He's embezzled a ton of money from his campaign, extramarital affairs. He was using campaign funds to pay for steam games and dental cleanings and all the grift you can think of. Just all the grift. Uh, he still won and like commandingly. like 54 if, to 45. This is what happens when reactionaries in San Diego get to vote. It's a, a military stronghold down there. His father, who's also named Duncan Hunter, uh, which I, I know has helped Duncan Hunter keep his seat because everyone's like, oh, is it his dad that I'm voting for? <laughs> uh, but uh, he was also a powerful committee chairman. But yeah, Duncan Hunter, uh, corrupt, terrible human being, uh, beat a very good uh, young Muslim candidate. I hope that... Uh, uh, Amar Kampanajar is still in the races after this. I hope we see more from him. He campaigned really well. He wasn't able to pull it off. But again, like, this was dead set against him. And some of the, the ads that, like, Duncan Hunter ran were just racist of a level you didn't think you would see on the West Coast. Well, yeah, but it was, you know, we, we have some portions of California where that can fly. And it, this has been proven that San Diego is one of those places where it can happen. Um, but as you mentioned, Duncan Hunter has a number of indictments against him right now. So who knows? Maybe there will be a special election coming up soon and uh, Amara will jump back in and run for that one. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I'm, I'm happy that Congress flipped or at least that the House of Representatives yeah. flipped. Uh, I don't think they have the total amount of power, but it's like. One thing that Tip O'Neill learned to do when he was the uh, speaker under Reagan was the, the, the House has the power of the purse. They can literally decide not to spend money and stop Trump's stupid plans in their tracks. So there's a lot of like little points of leverage to be held here, plus the investigative power. Yeah, they have subpoena power. Subpoena power is huge. I mean, they can send someone to jail. It, it's not... I don't know. There's only so much that they can do. It's well, not that it's not like they can't remove someone from no, power, but they, but they can, can definitely they can, like go they after can, Kemp. Yes. And they can also open things up and expose details of things to and put it out there on the public record and make sure that people are actually knowing what the hell is going on instead of being gaslit and fed all this massive amounts of disinformation that we've been seeing in politics across this country for the last. Oh, I don't know. At least the last decade. Look, Stormy Daniels' description is enough. Oh, I don't God, need to see no, the photo. No, no, no. Thank you. Now, Mar <laughs> Mario Kart. Mario Kart has been forever ruined. Thank you, Stormy Daniels, for uh, that wonderful contribution. She she can she can uh, turn a phrase as it were. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. So. Uh, on to uh, judicial races to, to kind of cover these real quick. So both of the Supreme Court justices retained their seat at pretty much the exact same vote count, like 71 to 29, uh, which 30 percent of the people didn't want them to return. So that's a pretty good sign because people generally it's much closer than that. Uh, people are beginning to vote more conscientiously on judicial races instead of just saying yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. There was a lot of interest in that. It's going to take some more time because there's a lot of justices. Also, the fact that we elect judges is weird and it we is, shouldn't do that. No, yeah, that's that is a reform that will need to happen at some point, but it's a ways off. Yeah. Uh, under superior court judges. So we had uh, several recommendations here, uh, starting off with the uh, our candidate that did the best, uh, Veronica Sauceda, who was a community lawyer and helped low-income clients, uh, won her seat by 58%, so she'll be serving in office four. Uh, Patricia Hunter beat Sydney Michelle. Um, they were kind of a toss-up. Neither one of them was great. Um, neither one of them was significantly worse than the other one. Uh, Javier Perez beat Michael Ribbons. We were pulling for Ribbons. Uh, Perez had better name recognition and more money to spend. Now, the real heartbreaker for me is Office 60. Uh, back when I was first getting started doing this podcast, we had Holly Hancock on. She's a public defender. She came in second in that primary with no campaigning. She didn't even have a website. Like, I don't want to try and take credit for her uh, momentum, but like knock talking about her, Ace talking about her on the air, us telling people to look at a public defender, like that legitimately had an impact, I think. And it helped a lot that like, 
she was able to get her name out there and run. And she she was going up against Tony Cho, who by all accounts is a very nice guy. Like as far as prosecutors go, he's well liked. He doesn't cause a lot of problems. He's very professional. Uh, but he had all the money. He had all the endorsements. Um, there's only so much you can do about that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but remember, in the future, when given the chance, always vote for the public defender. Absolutely. Public defenders need – we need more public defenders, and we need public defenders doing good things. Like, yeah. I want to see more Krasners. Yes. It, it's hard. <laughs> well, hey, 2020, we're going to have a choice yeah. or a chance. Uh, 2020, we've got the reform LA jails petition, and then hopefully – Hopefully, we'll have a really progressive DA candidate to take down Jackie Lacey. Absolutely. One yeah. can hope. Uh, and then I guess the last thing I want to touch on is a couple of um, stuff from across the nation that isn't really relevant to us here, but I still thought was cool. Uh, Florida, specifically. Yes. So Gillum lost and DeSantis won, which is even weirder when you look at the ballot propositions there because Amendment 4, which reenfranchised 30% of the black male population, 1.4 million people with felony convictions, got their right to vote back that passed like with flying colors uh and then the same people who voted for that turned around and voted for desantis so i don't know what the hell happened there (laughs) no it's it is it is mind-boggling yeah and the senate race with rick scott and nelson is still too close to call at this point yep and i mean when you look at all the stuff that was going on about amendment four rick scott was right at the heart of all of that because it was him sitting on that board of review and just passing summary judgment on on can you be a you know will you get the right to vote again yep it, it's it's just disgusting what he was doing and yeah. you know there was no accountability there was no rhyme or reason reason for most of their decisions it seemed um they basically just they didn't tell you what it was that would qualify you to get to vote again yep there was no written record of anything it was just in and out in and out in and out and it was you know only a few hundred people per year really that were able to get their right to vote again and and scott's a special type of ghoul where like he when he became governor of florida he moved to have drug testing of welfare recipients he just so happened to own a stake in the company that did the drug testing surprise shock and they caught no one like they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars and caught no one because like poor people aren't using drugs and getting welfare like that it's rich people who use drugs because they have disposable income yeah poor people are using their welfare to buy food yeah ah oh, it's just uh, <laughs> on another bright spot in in Florida move on quickly because otherwise I'll yell about that forever uh, but they they passed uh, another ballot measure uh, this one it, the name escapes me I'm not about to google it uh, because I just want to describe it. Yeah, yeah. But the the question was to ban offshore gel- drilling. Yeah. The question was to ban offshore drilling and indoor vaping. <laughs> it was the same. It was the same ballot measure, and it passed. Like they banned offshore drilling, but they also banned indoor vaping. And I just I don't know what the thought process there was. Were they like, well, if you if you hate offshore drilling, you must really hate indoor I've, vaping? I've, I just. I forgot that it had the indoor vaping attached to it. Yeah, it's so weird. But it passed, and so no more offshore drilling in Florida. Hooray. Uh, assuming it survives court challenges, because there are going to be some of those. Of course. Because uh, the fossil fuel companies are terrible. Yeah, and they have tons of money. So Yeah. <laughs> um, and also maybe Big Vape. You know, who knows? Like, the, the YouTube vapors are going to are gonna come for Florida. Um, but, you know, Off one thing. clouds. Yeah. But one thing to keep in mind about Florida is with 1.4 million people now re-enfranchised, literally Florida man could save the union in 2020. Like Florida man could be what stands between Trump and getting reelected. So that's exciting. Can you imagine what the difference in the votes would have been for Gillum versus DeSantis had that 1.4 million people been I mean, Gillum still hasn't conceded. Like, they still want to go count every ballot. So we're going to see. Um, and the same thing is happening in Georgia, which is the last yeah. race I want to touch on. Uh, we had, Abrams. Yeah, Camp vs. Abrams, yeah. You, If you are the Secretary of State, you should not be allowed to have anything to do with the election or voter registration for the election cycle that you're running for an office. I am sorry. That is such yep. a blatant conflict of interest. There's no, I, I mean, and he he's on record talking about how the only way they're going to win is if they make sure that people aren't all showing up to vote and exercise their constitutional right to be participants in the democracy. Well, and this is why the Roberts Court v- gutting the Voting Rights Act is the worst thing they ever did, because like now there, there was no way to hold Kemp accountable because if we still had the VRA, 
the federal government probably would have intervened and forced Kemp to to give up his position as Secretary of State or accept independent oversight because they would have the decree to do that. They have no way to intervene because the Voting Rights Act is gutted and Justice Kennedy was like, oh, well, now that we've enforced all these laws that don't let these southern states be racist, racism doesn't exist anymore. And so everything's fine. And now because we found we, out it's not. Yeah, that they these people who are in these positions of power are basically making the excuse of, well, you voted for a black president, so therefore racism is dead. Yeah. Well, I, it, it, it's also one when you look at what happened in Georgia with like insanely long lines, not enough like poll workers, not enough um, polling stations. Oh, yeah. Uh, they intentionally underserved poor African-American districts. They intentionally made sure that the people who were trying to vote for Stacey Abrams were not able to. Uh, they tried to throw out a bunch of ballots. Like, there's a couple oh, of hundred thousand yeah, yeah, ballots yeah. that are fighting to get recounted. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a fight. Like, Stacey Abrams may take this to court, and I fully support that. Absolutely. Like, Brian Kemp is trying to steal this election, and this is where the national and the local stuff directly intersect because Stacey Abrams is here because of her ground game, of her mm-hmm. ability to mm-hmm. rally her community, and it's national forces like gutting the Voting Rights Act that's thwarting her ability to build local community power. So that one's not over. That one's going to shake out. Probably it's going to take a while. Um, I don't have high hopes for the Department of Justice sweeping in to do the right thing, uh, especially with what we talked about at the top. Like, even if Jeff Sessions didn't, like, you know, get forced to commit, you know, white guy seppuku today, he still wouldn't have intervened. <laughs> no, well, we, we uh, I mean, Jefferson Beauregard Sessions the third. would he intercede on behalf of a black woman running to become a governor? The immediate gut reaction I see is no. Yeah. Um, I mean, he he was he <laughs> he was denied the ability to become a judge because his views were too racist um, a few times. Yeah. So yeah. no. I mean, I'm I'm very happy to see him leaving power. It is disturbing that the replacement is worse yeah but at the same time like we're this this is a fight that needs to be taken back through legislative means they need to reconstitute the voting rights act and give it real teeth and probably pass some rules about unifying electoral requirements and making it illegal for them to do these voter id laws and all this other bullshit that has been pushed by the republicans pretty much exclusively mm-hmm. to try to restrict the franchise because yeah. it is it when when people are allowed to vote the votes tend to go pretty well for the democrats yeah and i mean this is also something that the the democrats picked up governors mansions across the country yeah which is other great. than these two which were the big like these were the the banner races but we won a bunch of other ones. The one in Colorado, yeah. uh, and uh, Scott Walker out of yep. Minnesota. Like those, <laughs> like Scott Walker going down is great. But you know, one of the fears about the Republicans consolidating state level powers, if they had gotten thirty six state houses and governorships, they could call a constitutional convention. That's now been thwarted for the time being. We have a chance with the census coming up in twenty twenty to fix some of this gerrymandering, but only if Democrats or not Republicans hold those seats. So there's still a quite a bit of fighting to go on and it's going to be going until like 2022 when the new districts are all drawn up. But there's a lot to be hopeful for here. Yeah. Like even though Prop 10 didn't win, we're all talking about rent control. Even though Measure B didn't pass, you know what a public bank is. You didn't know what that was a year ago. Now you know what that is. Absolutely. Even though we didn't flip the entirety of California blue, we made some really good progress and, you know, for our centrist new governor, we have a lot of ways to pressure him and move him. You know, politicians are a battlefield. The election just picks which battlefield. From there, you push and you shove and you harangue and you get them to do what you want them to do. Politicians are tools, they're utilities, uh, and we need to use them to exercise our own power. So uh, until we completely fix that and move to like anarcho-syndicalism, you know, we're going to we're going to have to put up with the Gavin Newsom's of the world, but they can be very, very useful. So overall, I'm not super happy with this election. We got some big wins. Uh, we got some big losses as well. But, you know, onward and upward, I feel like net on uh, on the net, it was a positive election. Yeah. But there's also a lot of weaknesses in our system, like the fact that Stacey Abrams and Andrew Gillum can lose so closely. That's a problem. The fact that like Beto O'Rourke, uh, you know, came within a percentage point. Really, really good. Really, really cool. 
fantastic and we should be happy about that. But at the same time, like you actually need to win elections to exercise power. Like yeah. he doesn't get to be like a, a half a senator and have no, any kind of. And, and nobody should be talking about him for 2020 no. right now. I, that's absurd. That's just a Twitter idiocy. I don't think he's actually planning on, on running. Um, but it's 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 one of those where people get really excited and personalize campaigns too much. And you shouldn't. It's I mean, about I'm, the I'm, issues. I am happy to hear that nobody is talking about Oprah 2020 right now. I, yeah, I mean... Although I really hope I didn't just jinx that. I, Oprah Kanye 2020. That's where uh, we're going. But, wait, uh, wait. Real quick before we finish. Yeah. Didn't he just back out and be like, oh well, my he, God, I was used. Well, yeah, he realized that TPUSA is not to be trusted. He also, like, I think part of it was when he heard about the ble- <laughs> the Blexit thing. Oh, man. The black exit from the Democrats. Well, it's all Candace Owens. He, yeah, but then yeah. he saw the merch and the merch was fucking ugly. Yeah. Like, it was so bad. It was so poorly so that's designed. that's what it and, took. Like, but, but Kanye's... Uh, uh, an esthete when it comes down to it. He likes things that look and sound and are cool. He likes that intangible coolness. Yeah. Candace Owen does not have that, and it was very poorly designed. It didn't look cool or interesting. And I think Kanye took one look at that and was like, wait, these aren't the culture makers. Uh, and then, you know, is going back to not do stuff because I think he gets like super excitable about stuff. Um, at the same time, if I had that much wealth and power and nothing challenging me, I would probably get excited about stupid stuff too just because it stimulated me. And I think at some point you make enough money where like you're no longer challenged. Your brain no longer. He's yeah. Bored. You you just get enough power where nobody tells you no and you don't have to work for anything and that begins to like eat into your character. You become lazy. I'm thinking of a certain billionaire that lives in the relative proximity to us. Yeah. Yeah. Or another billionaire. I or, mean, or any of the billionaires, we really. Got, we got 58 of them here in L.A. County alone. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I guess on an ending note, you know, we didn't get rent control, but that fight will continue. And so, at least in my book, if you happen to see a billionaire on the street, feel free to punch him in the face. You know, if we don't get rent control, uh, <laughs> they do don't get punching violence. in the face. They don't get punching in the face control. Now, maybe I mean this <laughs> metaphorically, um, but also, like... Donald Sterling's a Get, really terrible person. Yeah, yeah, but go go on go on Twitter and dunk on Elon all the time because you know he is never logging off and he will yeah. always respond. Yeah. Uh but yeah, so I'm I'm excited. I think ground game and food and water action, we did some really good work in Porter Ranch. Uh for anyone out there that's listening that wants to get involved, we got a big push coming up. We have uh, new. We have meetings every Thursdays at 7.30. You can always hit us up and find out when those are. Uh, it's also on the website. You can check it out at groundgamela.org. Uh, you can check out our Facebook page, our Twitter, our Instagram. Check out knock.la. Uh, it, we're building stuff, and we want you to come build it with us because then we can build new stuff. And, like, also, you've probably got cool ideas that we don't have, and, like, if you bring those cool ideas to us, we might be able to do those together, and then we're all doing cool stuff together. And so that's, that's that's fun. Yeah, that's my participation push for you. And <laughs> if you're if you're not in the LA area or you don't want to come get involved with Ground Game, we can give you lots of groups to hook up with. We can give you tips on like how to get this sort of stuff started. Because again, like we're not professionals. We all just got together and we're like let's run a city council campaign, and uh, then we just haven't stopped doing stuff. Yeah. So. Once you get started, you just keep going. Yeah, join up and be a part of the People's Action Network and all of the yeah. rest of this. Like there, there are ways to get involved. Join a local DSA chapter. Yeah. Public Bank LA, Divest yeah. LA. There's so many groups here in LA. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So anyways, thank you all very much this year for voting. Thank you very much for listening. Also, for those of you that may not have noticed, uh, this is the one-year anniversary of the podcast, the one-year anniversary of the radio show. Yeah. So a year ago, Adam Rice called me up and was like, dude, you're supposed to have a radio show to me yesterday. I was like, oh, crap, I'm doing a radio show for you. And it's been this. So several of you have been along with me on this whole journey. Um, Several, like, we seem to pick up new people every week. Uh, It's pretty cool. Uh, thank you very much for doing that. We're going to keep being around here for another year as long as they let us. And this is like 36 weeks of this segment. So. Yeah, no, it's crazy, man. It keeps happening. <laughs> wow. We're doing the damn thing. Woo! But anyways, thank you all very much for everything <laughs> you do. Thank you very much for listening. You're all beautiful. You're all wonderful. And we're totally going to fix this planet. Yep. Come back next week. 